Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network, coming to you from the TeacherCast studios since 2011. Join us each week as we bring you the latest educational news, ed tech updates, and hottest interviews with today's most influential leaders in education. And now, for your host, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Teacher Cast podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making Teacher Cast your home for professional development. This is Teacher Cast podcast episode number 231. And today we're going to be talking about how you can help prepare your students for secondary education and that workforce. But also, we're going to be sharing a, a great company that's out there that's helping educators all around help prepare themselves for that workforce. Many of you guys know I just completed a grad school program, uh, not particularly at this place, but I had this goal that I want to make sure that if an opportunity comes up, I'm ready for it. And I hope you guys are out there thinking about that, too. Education is difficult, and I want to make sure that you guys have everything in front of you to help support yourself and help support your students, but also help support your family. I am excited to have a guest on today that was in school, dropped out of school, but in the end, he's on a mission right now to help you not only improve yourself, but also give yourself and your family a much better road ahead. And we're going to talk today about how he's doing just that. There's a lot of great things over on teachercast.net these days. Don't forget that on Mondays we drop our podcast, Ask the Tech Coach. If you're an instructional coach and looking to be a digital learning leader, it is a great podcast for you guys. We just recently updated episode number 212, talking all about the things that we should be thinking about doing as we head on into the school year. And over on TeacherCast, we got a lot of other great content all about creating websites, podcasts, blogs, you name it. Head on over to TeacherCast.net today and don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button and share TeacherCast.net with your friends. My guest today is the co-founder and CEO of Bloom Tech, an amazing company that is out there to help students make sure that they're not only getting the jobs that they need, but they are also well prepared for them. Austin, how are you today? Welcome to TeacherCast. I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It is so nice to have you on the show. I've been checking out your website, bloomtech.com. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what are you doing at Bloom Tech these days? Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. So for you know, the for, for your audience, what's probably relevant is uh, I come from you know a uh, family of teachers. So three of my four grandparents are teachers. My wife as uh, a K, she's a, was a third grade teacher until um, we had kids, and now she's doing that full time. But um, yeah, and then I dropped out of college when I was you know going to school and moved to Silicon Valley and taught myself how to code and wanted to create a path to make that easier for folks. So we run a school that trains people to be software engineers and data scientists. Um, and we do that with a job guarantee. So if you look for a job and can't find one after graduation, you don't pay us um, and you don't have to pay us anything out of pocket to get started. So um, we like to think of ourselves as very uh, incentive aligned with uh, the learners that we teach and trying to help folks get the best jobs that they can as quickly as they can. That is pretty awesome. How does somebody find out more information about this? Uh, yeah, you can go to bloomtech.com um, and we're all over the internet, usually at bloomtech or I'm Austin, A-U-S-T-E-N on Twitter. I, I noticed that. I was going to say congratulations. You are officially at Austin. That's really, really cool for Twitter <laughs> accounts. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there, there are some uh, benefits of having a strangely spelled first name. So we'll, we'll take what we can get. 
<laughs> Let's talk a little bit about this today because, you know, my audience here is is K-12 and, and instructional coaches. And our job is to prepare students for that next chapter in life, either being college, career, workforce, somewhere in the middle um, with where you are helping students learn the skills, learn the trade. So that way they can go out and get the job. In your opinion, is K-12 doing a good job at this? Uh, it depends. Um, and, you know, I have a bunch of various opinions about, you know, how K-12 is run and um, how I would do things differently. But, you know, first and foremost, I'll say I think, uh, you know, like I said, my wife is a, a, was a third grade teacher and she'll be back there soon. Um, and I think K-12 teachers are tasked with a nigh impossible task at times. So I... Um, I don't envy you at times and I empathize with how difficult what you're trying to do is. Um, so I think, you know, what's certainly true in every instance I've seen is uh, teachers are doing their damnedest to, to help their students be prepared for, you know, graduation, for the real world, for college, for whatever comes next. Um, and I, I think, you know, the vast majority of teachers I've seen, that is true of. And certainly if you're a teacher who's listening to podcasts after work about how to become a better teacher, you uh, imagine you fall into that category. You know, we're certainly all about professional development, supporting each other. As we start this new school year, it always comes down to what do we want our students to learn? Now, you had mentioned that you were doing school. I think you said you dropped out, you moved to Silicon Valley. It's like for, for, for guys like me, like that's the dream, just picking up, moving, and then what happens next? Are we teaching our students the skills needed for post-secondary education and post-secondary life? I mean, are, should we be doing more in the coding, the STEM, the, the, the all, all of that stuff? What can we be doing to make sure that we're giving our students the best chance when they leave our, our K-12 um, institutions? Yeah, I think I have a little bit different of a viewpoint on this than you know some folks where you know, I don't necessarily think that every high school grad needs to be a proficient programmer. Um, you know, there are many that will be interested in computers, many that will not, and, you know, many different career paths. I do think very basic, you know, technology, a little bit of coding. Um, and there's some uh, phenomenal organizations, a couple that I'll shout out are both nonprofits. Uh, one is called Hack Club um, and another is Code.org. And they do an excellent job helping K-12 students um, you know, they're nonprofits for free, get, you know, writing their first lines of code, get to see what, you know, the world of software is like. Um, because what I do think is true is, you know, if you look back 15 years ago, there was a pretty big difference between a tech company and a normal company. Uh, now there's less of a difference. And I think that that difference will continue to decline in the future. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's almost cliche now to say, look, we're all on our phones all the time. We're all on, all online all the time. Um, and so, you know, for that aspect of it, I think, you know, K-12, if you can give students kind of an introduction, a, a taste, so that if they want to, you know, go deeper, they can do that afterwards. Um, you know, that's, that's great. Um, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I was, you know, as you were talking about that, of course, my mind is going to my own kids. And, you know, we both share the fact that we've, we've got a family here and I have eight, I have eight year old triplets and I'm sitting here going, oh, wow. what do I need to do to prepare them for, you know, they're going into third grade. And I even like, I'm looking around going, can I buy them their, not buy them their first computer, but can I sit down and help them build a computer and learn how to code and figure out what those raspberry Pis doing all of that kind of stuff. 
I don't think I'm wrong in thinking third grade is a good year to start thinking about that stuff. I mean, where where are you with this as far as you know, working with the smaller ones, making sure that they're not waiting till they're seniors to figure out their future? Not that I'm pushing my kids at all, but these are all the skills that we need to be teaching in K-12, not just 9-12. Yeah, I think the, the – so if you kind of zoom a step out from, hey, I want to build apps, right – um, really coding is, I mean, I, you can think of it as not too different from just entering instructions into a computer that a computer can understand. So, um, you know, a lot of kids playing Minecraft is very, very close to coding. Um, and there, you know, some other games and there, there are tools like Tinker, T-Y-N-K-E-R, um, that use Minecraft to teach kids coding. Um, I think you can actually get, uh, and I have a, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. So they're, you know, not building apps yet. They're not building websites. They're not, you know, programming in the sense that we train our students to, to program. Um, but they understand that you can, you know, give instructions to toys and, you know, loop through those instructions and toys will do things. And that's really the, the basics of coding. Um, and so I think the, the most important thing for younger students, we'll say pre, you know, K through five or something like that, um, is really, you know, rule giving, logic, pattern matching, um, looping through sets of rules to create, you know, very rudimentary algorithms, so to speak. Um, MIT has a great uh, programming language called Scratch where you can kind of just drag and drop pictures and it'll, you know, you can teach images how to do stuff. Um, programming is not that complex on the surface. It's really, you know, very basic instructions that you type into a computer. It becomes complex because, you know, we layer instruction on instruction on instruction on instruction, and it, um, you know, becomes complex out of the sheer magnitude and the speed at which those instructions are running. But it's, it's not that complicated. Um, so if you can, yeah, help help a student master that, um, then they're well on their way, and they'll they'll pick it up very naturally when they're uh, a little bit older. Um, you're yeah. you're right about that. You, you know, what when I when I'm teaching technology, or you know, a couple of years ago, and I was doing this in middle school, you know, we'd start it with, how do you get from our room to the main office? And most people mm-hmm. said, you go down the hall, you make a left. No. You stand up, you make a left turn, you go 90 degrees. And, and we, we started to code our way down the hallway. And then we jumped that into those, as you mentioned, those code.org games or those hour of code games. And they realized, oh, if I can get from here to the gym or here to the office or the, the school to my house, because then we, we jumped into like a Google Maps kind of a game. This is really just that linear thinking. It's, you know, sequential thinking. It's first step, second step, third step. Is this stuff that I, I got to ask? because our kids are similar ages. Are you doing this at home with your kids? Um, I, I know we are here. Go get your, you know, go get your shoes, put your shoes on, go get your jacket, get out the door, etc. You know, one, 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 one. Somehow that's got to equal five. Are you doing this at home with your own kids? A little bit. Um, you know, my, my daughter has shown a little bit of interest in this kind of thing. And she, uh, I mean, we got her a Chromebook and we, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, talking to other schools, touring other schools. And one of the schools that we toured um, was heavily software based and um, uses a lot of adaptive apps in the curriculum. So they, they gave me a Chromebook just to kind of test it out with my kids. So 
Um, my daughter has her own little Chromebook and it's really only got you know, a handful of educational apps on it, but she loves the thing. Um, and so I haven't done as much, you know, sitting down with her like, Hey, here's programming. She's expressed a little bit of interest and I, you know, I'm kind of, I kind of wait until my kids express a little bit of interest before I try to ram something down their throats. Um, so we're, we're getting started with her. Um, and my four-year-old, I can barely get to sit down at all. So we're going to have to figure out what to do with him. <laughs> I, I, I will go on record and say, I miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you had mentioned earlier with Bloom Tech that if somebody takes your courses or, or, you know, attends what you guys are working on and they don't get a job there, you know, they get a full refund or however that works. Talk to us a little bit about that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm curious to know what are the skills that you're trying to teach through your company, through your courses, and, and most importantly, what are the skills that companies these days are looking for? Yeah, so we, we have a very particular point of view on this that is different than you know the, a lot of traditional universities and the way they view things. Um, so we are very explicit about what our role in the educational landscape is, and our role is to help people get higher paying jobs, to increase income, to help people get careers. Uh, you know, we don't really touch liberal arts. We don't, you know, we spend time teaching folks how to think so that they can become better programmers, but our role is not to make you a better citizen or, you know, anything like that. Um, so when we design curriculum and when, you know, our instructional design team is um, building a new track or a new course, uh, we always start from employers and work backwards. So our uh, most recent track that we released is uh, backend development, and we actually co-built that with Amazon. So it was you know us and Amazon talking about what exactly do you want? What specifically do you want every you know learner to be able to know and master by the time um, you know they graduate from our program? And you know in we try to make it as real as possible and say, you know, will you, you know, guarantee to hire every grad who can do X or will you at least guarantee interviews to, you know, all the grads who pass this bar. And when you have employers that are jumping out of their seat and saying, Oh yeah, like we will absolutely hire anybody who can do X. Um, you know, you're on the right track. Um, so, you know, that's why, our, our backend track that we co-built with Amazon, we actually haven't had anybody graduate yet who wasn't hired before graduation. Um, so we, we hope that we can keep that up, but uh, yeah, we're, you know, we, uh, I guess I'm talking to people who are, have an educational background, which isn't always true. So, uh, you know, we use reverse design curriculum and instructional design. We use mastery based progression in everything that we do. So we really kind of start with a list of what exactly are the things that every, you know, what are the objectives that every learner needs to master? And then we work backwards from there into, you know, a set of, um, uh, what's the word, tests, um, a set of, you know, check for understandings and work backwards from there into a curriculum. So, you know, very, you know, probably very standard uh, instructional design that, um, if you, if you want to produce that outcome, uh, it works very, very well. I, I love that you're working with Amazon. I love that when somebody's taking this particular course, and again, you can find out more information over at bloomtech.com, B-L-O-O-M-T-E-C-H.com. If you go through a course like this, you are guaranteed, it's a big word, but to have the skills to be able to interview for this position. That doesn't always happen. 
You know, educators are going for their masters. They're going for secondary masters, leadership positions, all of those different things that teachers do in their careers doesn't mean that they're going to get an interview. Doesn't mean that they're going to have an opportunity to better themselves, make more for their family, etc. How do you see this moving forward? I mean, do you see a course like the back end development? I mean, do you see yourself taking that and saying, well, I know that this is going to get my students an interview at Amazon. Let's see if I can also partner with X company and Y company and Z. So that way, as I'm going through that, for instance, back end development, I can say, here's four or five different interviews that you're pretty much going to be qualified for. Yeah. I mean, so Amazon is our main partner um, in that particular program, but there are, uh, you know, a handful of companies lined up and even more companies that, you know, not necessarily partnered with that are eager to hire the same, you know, same folks. Um, so, I mean, there, we actually have a problem right now, which is somewhat unique to have where there are companies that, you know, have lined up and been waiting for months to interview grads and, um, they have 20 interviews scheduled. And then by the time the grads are actually getting to the interviews, you know, 18 have canceled the interviews because they're already hired. Um, from the student's perspective, that's a phenomenal problem to have. From our perspective, we actually do have to figure out how to, uh, you know, how to balance that out and how to make sure that employers can get the volume that they need. And, um, you know, we're kind of a, a marketplace, so to speak, where we're taking untapped talent, training it, and then matching it up with employers. Um, that said, you know, you don't have to work with our employer partners and, you know, across the school, probably more of our grads don't work with um, partners than, you know, do. And so we also equip you with, you know, here's how to look for a job. Here's how to land interviews. Here's, uh, and it's very, very intensive. So we have, you know, career coaches, but we also have, you know, basically job searching for the first little bit built into the curriculum. So you have to begin job searching kind of under our watchful eye in order to, to qualify for graduation. So um, we're lucky that we're very, very focused. It's very, very clear what our objectives are. Um, and we can, we can do stuff like that. Um, and, and it works very well. You know, we're talking today all about how to get those skills that you need for that position. And I love that you mentioned that you are working with a company like Amazon to figure out how do I create the course so that it's there. When we're looking at K-12, do you have any thoughts on the relationship or are you hearing anything about the relationship between K-12 and universities? Obviously a school district graduates a number of students. They go out to thousands of universities out there, but how often does anybody look at those universities and say, we're going to create our AP bio curriculum out of it. We're going to create our socialist curriculum out of what those colleges need. Obviously yeah, yeah. that's standards, but you know, like where, what's your thoughts on there? Should we be having more conversations and communications between K-12 higher education or K-12 in the workforce, Amazon included? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, I think K-12 is in an interesting spot where, you know, because of things like Common Core, so much of that is so predefined that um, flexibility is a little more difficult. And we have far more flexibility than a K-12, you know, teacher would. And I know when my wife taught, it was, I mean, she had a tiny bit of flexibility, but it was pretty prescriptive for her. Um, but I think, you know, the, the way that you teach that stuff and, um, you know, I, I think back to my favorite teachers, you know, I, I went to public school, uh, you know, normal 
public, everything. Um, those who helped me apply what we were learning in unique and interesting ways were by far and away my favorite teachers. Um, and those are the classes that I learned the most in. Um, so even, you know, going back to fourth grade, we had, you know, it became kind of famous in our elementary school. Uh, Mr. Frankowski would not only teach you, you know, the here's very, very basic physics, but then we'd go build a model rocket and we'd, you know, launch it and have a model rocket contest. And I think, um, you know, at the younger ages, the best thing you can do is help, help students apply what they're learning to something that is tangible to them, um, you know, a little less abstract. Um, and then, yeah, I think, you know, the better you can define what your goals are for each student, the better the outcomes will be. And I know that's, you know, it's tricky in a K-12 classroom because not everybody necessarily has the same goals. Um, but, but generally speaking, I think if you work backwards from, you know, if you went to a college professor and say, hey, what does a student need to be really, really prepared in your class? Mm -hmm. um, it's probably a good, good starting point. Um, and I, you know, I, have, I have thoughts, uh, you know, having run a school for uh, five years now, you know, where uh, there's a big difference in uh, the graduate, you know, high school grads who are prepared to, you know, enter the next educational institution and those that you know, need a little bit of help and need some work and um, you know, even some really basic things like uh, you know, hard work and dependability. And you know, I know that it's not necessarily something that a high school teacher can force on students, but if I had a student who knew how to set a goal, work toward the goal and hit it, or not and acknowledge that and adjust the goal or their work accordingly, I can, you know, get every single one of those high paying jobs. So that's, you know, if I had a request, I guess, to, to drop into all the ears of the K-12 teachers, that, that would be my request. Um, the students know how to set a goal and work toward it and adjust. So what you're saying is I don't really need to be worrying right now as a third grade dad, there's time to let my students breathe. I, I certainly think so. I mean, you know, think back to when you were, what's third grade, eight years old. Like that's, it's a pretty, pretty big distance between that and going to college. But, you know, the, still the, you know, the core things I, I think about a lot as a dad, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I've only ever been a dad once. So I don't know, but um, things like working hard, dealing with adversity, um, not stopping when something gets difficult or, you know, it's convenient to stop. And by, I'm by no means perfect with my kids, don't get me wrong, but that's, that's what I think about the most is how do, I, how do I make sure when my son confronts challenge, he doesn't just give up immediately or um, you know, shy away from something because he doesn't, you know, he got tired and doesn't want to do it anymore. So he's just going to stop no matter what. And you know, there's age appropriateness in all of that, but um, and every kid is very different. My son is very, I have two daughters and, um, and one son, and they're all very, very different from each other. Um, so, but yeah, I think, you know, general life skills are, are really important. Let's talk about teachers for a second here, because yes, they're teachers, they're working with students, but they're also students themselves. I know myself, I just got done a grad school program. I had a great time. I often ask the question, now what? Or did it prepare me? Or did I learn anything? 
I chose my secondary education program based off of nothing more than location, location, location. But I know that there's things that we need to be thinking about when we are choosing that post-secondary education, whether it be that 18-year-old going out or even as teachers who are looking for a second career or to learn a new skill. What are some of the things that we should be looking at when we're choosing a post-secondary education or opportunity to expand our horizons and grow our trades? Yeah, I think I, this is going to sound um, you know, very obvious probably, but I think being very clear about what it is that you want, like what, what the end goal is matters a lot. Um, and, you know, I realized, you know, so I, I dropped out of college and, um, you know, my wife was a first generation college grad and my parents, um, you know, their, their college education mattered an immense amount to them. So me dropping out was, uh, was not perhaps looked upon favorably in the beginning, we'll say. Um, but I, you know, for me, I recognized that the path that I wanted to go down was a little bit different than the path that most of my peers were going down. Um, and it, you know, it's worked out beautifully. Um, and I think that's the first and most difficult thing is figuring out, you know, where you want to go. And, and especially when you're, you know, that age, but even, even when you're not, you know, being able to see that, where you want is different than what all of your peers want. You know, where I went, uh, you know, when I was in uh, high school, it was, you know, do you go to BYU or the University of Utah or UVU? And like, those were the options, right? <laughs> like nobody even thought about anything other than that. Um, and, you know, we weren't exposed to anything else. And so that, that's just what it was. And, you know, we, ha we also had the benefit of I look at my friends, half of their parents were professors at one of the aforementioned universities. Um, but yeah, I think being very clear and explicit about where you want to go and then mapping that to the path that you want to take to get there is, you know, is the most important thing. And, you know, I, I obviously will rant and rave at times about how you know, there is more than just the traditional four-year college out there. Um, and, you know, for many students, that four-year experience, especially if you're going to an expensive school and studying something that, you know, may not net out, may not be the right decision, you know, financially or otherwise for that particular student. And that's something that I think we, we lose sight of a little bit in K-12 because it's it, you know, so difficult to prepare students for competitive university environments that, um, we kind of neglect the fact that not everybody wants to do that. Um, and some of our best, you know, best students, you know, I looked at, was looking at our outcomes the other day. We have students that go, you know, they're 18 years old. They don't go to college. They come straight to bloom tech. They're making six figures six months later. You know, by the time they would have graduated, they'll have made hundreds of thousands of dollars and they'll be far ahead of their peers. Um, so, you know, for, for them, if that's the right decision for them, it worked out very well financially. You know, they avoided a lot of debt. They, um, you know, it's, and it's not necessarily for everybody, but I'd say be, be open-minded to other paths as well. As we wrap up here, there's many, there's many teachers that are out there trying to figure out where they're going to go. It's certainly not a surprise if I said many teachers are 
out of work, looking for a new job, thinking about that career change, or, you know, they're one observation away from just tossing away a career. When somebody's looking at a company like Bloom Tech or other post-secondary training organizations, do they have to come in knowing a ton about the about the situation? Can any middle school teacher come to Bloom Tech or like company and say, you know what, I'm really interested in this, but I don't have a computer science background. Yeah. Who's, I mean, who's your candidate? Yeah. Very, very few of our uh, students do have a computer science background. That, that's specifically what we're built for actually. Um, as someone who decides somewhere along in life that, you know, Hey, maybe I do want to get into tech and whether or not I studied anything related to computers in college. Um, yeah, I, I would guess if, if you looked at our, you know, graduating cohorts, about half of them have a college degree in something other than computer science, right? Uh, or, you know, anything related to computers. And they, you know, we're the, a much faster path to a computer science career than, you know, going and starting over and getting a bachelor's degree. Um, and we, you know, so we've built that into everything we do. You can show up to us barely knowing how to turn a computer on. And the number of, you know, band teachers and school teachers we've taken from, you know, where they are into, you know, tech careers. And, you know, we can do that part-time after school. We can do it weekends only. Um, we've also built a really strong, you know, flexibility option for that. Um, and again, you know, without paying anything up front and with a guarantee that um, if you look for a job and don't find one after graduation, you won't have to pay anything. Uh, we've tried to make it as, as risk-free as we possibly can. Um, so without plugging too much, yeah, come, you know, come try our intro courses that are all free, figure out if it's for you. We have a risk-free trial that's right now three weeks. So you can just kind of get started on the intro to programming material and see if you like it. And if you do, great. If not, that's okay. You know, I'm certainly not on this podcast going to be advocating for teachers to get up and leave the classroom. I've been an educator <laughs> for the last 20 some years. I love it. This is my life. This is my passion. And in many ways, this is also my hobby. We do this on the side. We're doing this during the day. We are always out here. But if you are looking for something new, you know, we talk a lot about instructional coaches and how a coach is a teacher who wants to do something a little bit different, wants to challenge themselves or a teacher who goes into administration. There's always those paths for you to, you know, in, improve your skills, um, widen your focus, better be able to support your family. These options that are out there. Austin, where do we go for more information to learn all about BloomTech? Uh, BloomTech.com. And of course, all the links are going to be over in our show notes. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 231. Don't forget to check out TeacherCast.net for all the great stuff. And of course, every single Monday, we have our podcast, Ask the Tech Coach, where we bring to you guys the best and latest in instructional technology and help you to become a better instructional coach. And I want to say thank you to Austin and for everybody here at Bloom Tech for helping to make this show possible. So on behalf of Austin and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to the TeacherCast Educational Network, hosted by Jeff Bradbury. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter, at TeacherCast, or online at www.teachercast.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App 